to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 14. And uh, we are kicking off a new series today that we're calling The Jesus Life Together. The Jesus Life Together. Together, And that will be kind of a theme that will set the direction uh, of where we're going this year. We'll be in this series for the next three weeks. And uh, so John chapter 14, and I want to read at verse 15, I think down to maybe 24. And uh, it says this, this is Jesus speaking, um, and he's speaking to his disciples. He says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you for how long? Everybody with me? Everybody listening? That he may, do we have it on the screen? That he may abide with you forever. That includes 2019, okay? The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, listen to this, and he will be in you. He is with you, but he's going to be in you. I will not leave you orphans. We were singing about that just a bit ago. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas Iscariot, I love that. Judas, I just envisioned this guy going, not Iscariot, but not that one, okay? Judas, not Iscariot. Um, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus will manifest himself to us, not to the world. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, anybody love him? He will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear is not mine, but my Father's who sent me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would come as you're already here. We just invite you again to come. uh, Give us insight. Speak to our hearts. Lord, let this not just be me speaking, but Father, I pray that you would speak to us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today is the first Sunday of 2019. Uh, It is for us, it is Vision Sunday. We're calling it Vision Sunday. And uh, Vision Sunday is the the, the Sunday once a year or so where, you know, a pastor kind of shares to the church, you know, that what's ahead for the church and, you know, kind of pitches where we're going. And it's the the moment where the pastor kind of like gets a new suit I got new shoes. I got new shoes. There's like all kinds of excitement, you know. He's like, he comes in like on a zip line or something like that. And, you know, because he's got to like, it's like Tony Robbins, like pumped up, you know. And um, so I'm sorry to disappoint you. I don't have that today, but I am so excited. In fact, uh, we even had banners. I just got to point it out. We have banners, 2019 banners that are at the UPS Center in Longwood today. 
and I'm so excited about them coming next week, okay? So if you were hoping for that today, if that just irks you, if you're a detailed person, uh, God's using that today to produce patience. You were, we were praying today, and so that's manifesting in you, and that will be here uh, next week because God used it in me to produce patience. So uh, anyway, but I am, I'm excited about uh, where we're going, and I, I want to start with this passage of Scripture because I really believe that God wants us to hear from Him in this passage to springboard or to set the stage for where He's wanting us to go in 2019. And here in this passage, we find Jesus in his final moments uh, prior to leaving his disciples. He's really, he's been with them for three years. They've been hearing his teaching. They've been living with him. They have seen his life. And now this is his final moments. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He will die. He will rise from the dead. He will, he, he will uh, ascend back to the Father. And here's his final moments after being with them for three years. Years And this was a transition moment, a transition period, stepping into something new. And it's such an interesting uh, interaction. I didn't read the whole thing, and I'd encourage you to take time to read this whole, this whole passage. But one of the accounts just before the passage that I read, he's talking to his disciples. He's telling them, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm going to heaven, and, and where I'm going, you know the way to, to, to get there. And they say, uh, we don't know the way. Show us the way. And uh, do you ever remember in school when the teacher was teaching something and somebody would stick up their hand and ask a question that obviously revealed that they had not been listening to anything that had been said prior to that? You know what I'm saying? That's what was happening in this moment. And then Philip, so I think Thomas first asked that, show us the way. And Jesus is like, have you not been listening for three years? I've been teaching you the way. I've told you, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And then uh, Thomas chimes in and he says, well, you're going to the Father, show us the Father. And Jesus is like, Philip, slap him. Do you not understand the words coming out of my mouth? It was that moment. He's like, you've been listening to me for three years. I've told you I only do what the Father does. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and you're asking to see the Father. He's like, you don't get it. And here's what I find so interesting, that it was this transition moment that God was leading them. Jesus was leading them into this moment where he would be leaving earth and, and the baton would be passed to them. The, the things that he had been teaching to them, instructing to them, that he had been demonstrating to them, it was getting ready to be their moment to, to walk that out. And here they are in their last moments. They're asking him to teach them something new. They're just going, oh, Jesus, could you teach us one more thing? Tell us, tell us another thing. And, and we got these questions and, you know, that reveals something that I believe is a challenge for all of us, and that is that it's often easier to look for something new than it is to live out what is true. It's easier to look for something new than it is to live out what is true. It's the new year, many of us making New Year's resolutions, that's a great, great thing, but for most of us, we don't need 
to know something new, we just need to do what we know is true. Many people, you know, in New Year's resolutions, the, the, the top list, one of them is, is losing weight. I want to lose weight. I want to get more physical. And, you know, you can do a lot of things to, to lose weight. And I'm, I'm going to put this into practice. I'm going to do what I know is true. You can, you can do a lot of things. But how many of you know, at the end of the day, losing weight actually isn't that complicated? I know I'm treading on thin ice here. I'm with you. It's actually not that complicated. It really comes down to burning more calories than you consume. Now, there's different ways to get this, increase the burn, you know, what, you, what you're burning and lower what you're consuming. You can get an app. You can get a Fitbit. You can get a new workout outfit. But at the end of the day, that's, it's, it's really that simple, right? Same is true in finances. Uh, you know, sometimes there is, uh, you know, we say, well, I want to get, you know, into a better financial place. And, and that's something that is a great, great thing. And there's a lot of ways to do that. But ultimately, our financial health really comes down to something kind of simple, although we ha- all apply this into our own situation. But really, it comes down to uh, spending less than you, can, than you make, Is that true? Like, I mean, that's really what it comes down to is just spending less than you make. Now, you can... You can go to a conference that will tell you secrets of wealth building. You can listen to Dave Ramsey. You can get a tattoo of Dave Ramsey. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it's not about learning something new. It's about living what is true. And here Jesus is preparing to leave his disciples after three years, and they're asking for one more lesson. And Jesus just cuts through all of the the fog in the moment, and he answers with these words, if you love me, keep my commandments. In fact, he says that three times in this passage, if you love me, Keep my commandments. Now, I I know that in our world today, the thought of commandments or obeying or doing what someone else tells us, we all kind of bristle at that. I told you a few weeks ago, it's in us to do the opposite, right? You see the sign that says, do not, you know, wet paint, do not touch. You're like, "Uh, yeah, it is wet. (laughs) You see the sign that says, stay off the grass. You're like, Make me, right? There is this thing in us that we just don't want to be told what to do. But I I, I have to tell you, Jesus is so clear in this passage. Three times he says it, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Do what I tell you to do. Now, in 2019... We can dress that up, we can dress it down, we can, we can put it in skinny jeans, and we can put an Instagram filter on it, but I, I want you to know that was the core message of the gospel, that you will not experience the life of Jesus apart from obedience to Jesus. And so Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands, do what I'm telling you to do. And, and, and so Oftentimes, perhaps out of an idea of false grace or, or some sort of misunderstanding, we think, well, I can just live however I want and I can experience 
the life of Jesus. But we don't understand the, the if that, then this nature of the gospel. If that, then this. this. In this statement, when he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, there is an if this, then that relationship. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will do what I tell you to do. It's not, it's, it's the natural overflow of loving Jesus is obeying and doing what he wants us to do. It's, there, there is the relationship. It's, it's not hard. It's like, it's not hard. It's not com- complicated. It, it is hard. It's not complicated. But he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It, it, it's like saying, if you're tired, go to sleep. That's not, that's not a big challenge, right? Like how many of you wish you could take back all of the moments that you skipped the nap when you were a kid? You remember when, when you were a kid, yeah, uh, and, and your mom told you to take a nap. I remember getting in trouble. I remember getting a spanking. You guys maybe may not be down with that, but I got a spanking. It was actually for disobedience because I was playing when my mom told me to take a nap after repeated reminders. She said, I'm going to give you a new, another reminder. Here you go. I remember I got a spanking for not taking a nap. I'm like, I'll take that back. I'm, I'd like to cash in my missed naps now, right? Because that's not burdensome. When you're tired, you will take a nap. If you are hungry, how many of you know when you're hungry, eating is not like, you know, make me, right? <laughs> if you're hungry, you will want to eat. You will want to eat. There will be a drive in you to eat And the same is true when it comes to living as a follower of Jesus at the core of the gospel is this, that if you love Jesus, you will obey Jesus. We will obey Jesus. We will follow the life that he teaches to us. Now, I said it's simple, but it's not easy. Anybody can testify that that is not easy. That is not easy. Paul said it this way, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Anybody ever felt like that? Yes. Uh, I keep finding myself doing things, but then he goes on to say, that. but I thank God that the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. What's he saying? He, He said that in, in my body, I don't find the power to do what I want to do, but I find this power in my spirit. The spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. And Jesus says it this way here, I will give you another helper and he will, he will abide with you. He will remain with you forever. And he goes on later and he says, he will remind you of my ways. What does the Holy Spirit do? Just points to Jesus. He just looks at Jesus. He just says he's like, uh, he's like the hype man for Jesus. <laughs> you know what the hype man is? He just kind of says, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, 
what? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? That's what the hype man does. He just gets people into it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does inside us. I hadn't planned to use that analogy, but I went with it. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives. He says this, He is with you, but He will be in you. Notice the distinction of these two experiences, the Holy Spirit with you and the Holy Spirit in you. You see, the disciples had seen Jesus. They loved Jesus. They walked with Jesus. There was thousands of people that were drawn to the message of Jesus. When we say, if you love me, it's not hard to love Jesus. He's so beautiful. He's so wonderful. He's the most attractive person in the world. The scripture says this, oh, taste and see that he is good. Amen? And so he, the, the disciples were drawn to Jesus, but they kept struggling to live out what Jesus was teaching to them. And so here they were, these final moments, Jesus preparing to leave them, and they're like, Jesus, would you just teach us something new? Tell us another one. Give us, we need, you know. Anybody ever met somebody, they've just been in school a little too long? Anybody, yeah, if you're by them, don't point at them. School is awesome. It's so good. But how many of you know school is for a purpose? That training is to produce something in your life. And here Jesus had spent three years to the, with them, teaching them and training them, and they're wanting something new. They're struggling even in the final moments. Like Jesus, after this, he gets arrested. Peter had been like, I'll never leave you. I won't deny you, and Jesus gets arrested, and a, a middle school girl comes up to, to Peter and was like, hey, weren't you with that guy? Yeah, that's my middle school girl voice. <laughs> don't you know Jesus? And uh, he's like, I don't know him. Like, how many of you know when you're a grown man and you cave to a middle school girl, like, you're pretty weak, Right? No, no offense to any middle school girls in the room, but I got beat up by one one time myself. But anyway, um, that's, a, that's another message for another time. But they were so weak in their final moments, but then if you know the story, something happens just a short time later. Jesus left them, and he you would have looked at if you had seen the disciples, you would have thought, Jesus, don't leave us. You're leaving it with these guys. But Jesus said, it's better for me to go away because I'm going to send the helper. And when he comes, he's going to remind you of everything that I have said. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit, when he comes, he does not reveal something new. He simply reveals what is true. He's not coming up with a new doctrine, new ideas in, in, in the sense that it's contrary to Jesus and the life of Jesus. He's simply taking the same things that Jesus has taught and he's reminding us. Anybody ever needed a reminder? Jen and I, new year, new us, we are implementing a new strategy on helping our kids to do their chores because how many of you know when you have four kids, you, you have to have like a logistical plan at that point. And so we're actually going to be making YouTube videos teaching them how to do their, they're going to be private so you can't see them. But here's how to clean the bathroom. Here's how to 
mow the grass. Here's how to load the dishwasher. It, can y'all just give me a round of applause for my genius, genius YouTube playlist for your kids' chores? Genius. Okay. Here's the problem. Here's the problem is not that they don't know how to do it or that they have not heard it, but they need to be reminded and they need a helper. And the Holy Spirit comes and He says, yeah, those things that you were wanting to do, I'm going to help you to do it. The things that you heard that you said, you know, at the beginning of the year, yes, I'm going to do that. Yes, I'm going to commit to that. Well, the Holy Spirit, He's like the wind at your back. Have you ever been for a run when the wind is against you? And then when you come home, it's against your back? How many of you know when the wind is at your back, you are like Usain Bolt? I'm seeing myself running. I'm like, I think I could go to the Olympics. <laughs> Why? Because the wind is at, y'all laugh too hard at that. Because the wind is at my back. The wind is at my back. The Holy Spirit is like a wind that comes and He helps us along. I told you last week, He's, we often try in our own strength. Like a motorboat, we, we use our own energy to try to get to where we're going, but the Holy Spirit is a renewable source of energy. He's like the wind. When your strength runs out, the wind of the Holy Spirit will help you to do what God calls you to do. And so he goes on to say this, or, or let, me, let me say this, a, a quick quote that is worth noting, G.K. Chesterton said this, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. It's not easy. That's why we need the helper. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Do not try to live the Jesus life without the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, wait until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when, the, when these disciples who had been struggling for three years and they're just a mess, when the Holy Spirit comes on them, suddenly these guys who had caved under the pressure uh, of a middle school bully in the past, suddenly they begin to stand up and they begin to declare the goodness of God. Suddenly these guys who had been bickering back and forth about who's the greatest, I'm the greatest, you're the greatest, who's going to be the, the, the greatest in the kingdom of God, suddenly they just start taking their stuff. They begin to be generous with one another. They, they put it all and give it all to people as, as anyone had need. That's the life of Jesus. It's living out what Jesus had taught us. Why or how? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus goes on to say this. Listen to this. He says, I will love him. If you do this, I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. I will manifest. I will show up to him. Now, he, he says, not to the world, but I'm going to show up to him. If you do what I say, I'm going to demonstrate myself. I'm going to show up to you. And I want you to know that is our goal, is not just for us to talk about Jesus. We want an encounter with Jesus. We want Jesus to be manifest. 
there's a big difference between knowing about him and him showing up in your life. You ever followed somebody on Instagram and you kind of been stalking them on Instagram at a distance and then one day they show up and you're like, I, I know you, but this is a little weird because I don't know you. I've just been stalking. Just me? Okay. Cool. Cool. What is that? They've become manifest. And let me tell you this. Jesus doesn't want us to just know about him. He wants us to know him. He wants to manifest himself in your life. He wants to show up in your life so that you can live the Jesus life, so that you can experience the life of Jesus. But it's all based upon if you love me, keep my commands. But it's interesting that he says, I'll manifest myself to you, not to the world. Why? Because his plan is that the world would see him through you. He says, I'm going to show up to you. I'm going to manifest myself to you. You're going to see me, not the world. I'm going to manifest myself to you, and then you're going to be manifest to the world. What is God's plan? God's plan is that the church would be so in love with Jesus that we would want to obey him and follow him. And although we're not perfect, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that he will manifest himself to us so that the world, although they may not know what it is, they will look at us and they will go, I want what you have. Tell me about this. And that's what happened in the, in the life of these disciples. Three years, they stumbled along. But when the Holy Spirit showed up, the Bible says people looked at them and said, they've been with Jesus. They're, they're, Jesus said it this way, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good deeds, your good works, and they will glorify your Father in heaven. God's plan is to manifest Jesus in the world through our lives. So here's what I want you to know is that the church is at its best, not when we are looking for something new, but when we are living what is true. When we are following the way of Jesus, Jana referred to it, ancient practices, ancient way of life. And at the end of the day, although I, I'm in full agreement that we need to bring that into the world that we live in. At the end of the day, it has to be about following Jesus, about living the Jesus life together. This is what, when, when that happens uh, among a group of people, when people say, we love God, we love Jesus, we want to obey him, we want to follow him, and, and the Holy Spirit comes and blows on them, and then Jesus is manifest to them. The word that we often use for that is revival. Revival. I love that word, even that phrase, revive. Vive means life. Re, again. Coming to life again. God's plan in the earth is not to, to come up with something new. It's to reveal what is true, the way, the truth, and the life. His name is Jesus. And what the world needs to see is not us that have come up with some new ideas, it's us that are actually living out what we claim to believe, that are actually living the if this, then that life of the gospel. As the, the scripture says, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we are saved. 
It's the power, the power of the gospel is, is released through the if this, then that principle of our obedience. And so throughout history, the church is at its best, not when we're looking for something new, but when we're living what is true. This is the, this is the history of the church. When the church goes, you know what, we're going to come up with something new, we're going to like you know, and I don't mean rebranding. I mean, they're going to get a new, we're getting new banners. That's all good. New is cool. But changing something rather than keeping Jesus at the core, that is ultimately when the church falls into irrelevance to the world. The greatest relevance that we can have to the world is through showing them Jesus. Throughout history, this is where the church has been at its best. I could tell you about the Protestant Reformation when a man named Martin Luther, a, a Catholic monk, suddenly had his eyes open, not to something new, but something that was always true, that salvation wasn't through our effort, but through the grace of God. I, I could tell you about the Great Awakening or the Second Great Awakening at the beginning of our nation when, when, when spiritual life had grown cold, but there were people that were so passionate about the kingdom of God and the Word of God and following Jesus that they began to live out the Jesus life together. Benjamin Franklin was recorded to say this, you could hardly walk through, and he actually wasn't a follower of Jesus, but he just noted this historically, you could hardly walk through the colonies without hearing the praises of people go up. What was it? It was a rediscovery of the life of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. I could tell you about Many, many accounts throughout history, even more recently, I could tell you about the 1960s and 70s, in, beginning in California when a group of, uh, of hippies began to have encounters with Jesus. Their eyes began to be open to who Jesus was, and they began to come into churches. There was a pastor named Chuck Smith in Costa Mesa, California, and the, the hippies were coming in, and they had just put new carpet in the church, and some of the board members in the church said, if the hippies come in with their dirty feet, they'll ruin our new carpet. And Pastor Chuck said, tear up the carpet, because if it's the carpet or them, we're having them rather than the carpet. What was it? It was the Jesus life being manifest. The power of God, once again, showing up on a group of people. Let me tell you this. In 2019, what are we going for? Is it new programs? Nothing wrong with programs. Is it, is it new production? Nothing wrong with those things. But what we want is not programs or production. What we want is the presence of God, the life of God to show up among us. That's worth clapping for. Amen? Thank you, Lord. We want Jesus. We want the life of Jesus. I want that for your life, for your home. I don't want you to be religious. Religious won't do anything for you. And even coming to church won't do anything for you. But the life of Jesus will change your life. It will transform you from the inside out. It's not good enough just to be spiritual. You need to connect with the person of Jesus. The measure of spirituality is only as good as the spirit that you're connecting to. And so we need to make sure that we're connecting to the source of life, Jesus, that we're living the Jesus life together. Amen? Anybody with me? All right. 
Well, I want to share with you practically, so that's really the heartbeat. Man, we want to see, we don't want to just come up with some ideas and let's do it. We want the power of God, the presence of God, amen? We, we don't want to be a church that tries to do it in our own strength. We want to, the power of God, the wind of the Holy Spirit to live Jesus and manifest Jesus through us. That's our heart. That's our vision, the Jesus life together. Now, practically, what are we going to do? Let me share with you some things, and I'm going to share with you pretty quickly. I need to get through it quickly. Where are we going in 2019? What are we doing? If we're living the Jesus life together, if our vision is to manifest Jesus to our city, how are we going to do that? What are we going to do? I'm going to share with you some real practical things. The first thing that we're going to do is we're starting today 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yeah? Some of you are more excited about fasting than I am, but uh, you know, I, I love fasting because of what it produces, not because of, I love, because I love not eating. I love eating, but 21 days of prayer and fasting, and here's what I'm asking you to do is starting today over the next three weeks, those of you who are a part of the church here, that you would set aside extra time, not just your regular time, but extra time every day to pray and to seek God. Now, if you feel like you don't have extra time, just go into your phone. There's a little setting now that shows you your screen time, and that will show you your prayer time for the week, okay? Uh, a praise report. Mine went down 37% this week. Come on. Come on. Breakthrough. So we want to devote extra time to prayer, to seeking God. Not because that's a cool thing to do or that's just kind of what you do at the beginning of the year. We're not doing it because somebody else is doing it. We're doing it because that's what God responds to. Jesus said this, there are some things, speaking to even spiritual oppression, there are some things that will not change except through prayer and fasting. I don't know exactly what that is, but there's something about us abstaining from spiritual nourishment that gives us physical power that allows us to tap into the power of God in our lives. And I can tell you this, although I love food, I love what God does through fasting even more. And so I want to call you to devote some time to prayer and fasting. That doesn't need to be, uh, have to be, it could be, but it doesn't have to be 21 days straight. That could, you could just say during that time, I'm going to take a day. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to fast till 5 p.m. every day. I'm going to fast. Now, make sure it's a sacrifice. Some people are like, I'm fasting Twitter. You're not on Twitter anyway, <laughs> all right? It's like, I'm going to fast the newspaper. You don't read the newspaper anyway, okay? So fasting, although it's great to abstain from other things, fasting ultimately is, is about abstaining from food, and God uses that to release power in our lives. And so there's some things that you can't push your way through. You've got to pray your way through. And so we're going to devote 21 days to prayer and fasting. On Friday nights during that time, we're going to gather at Maranatha Church for deeper. If you've not been to it on a Friday night, I want to encourage you to come out. And let's just engage. Let's believe God for breakthrough. Amen? Amen. So 21 days of prayer and fasting starting today. Cancel your lunch plans. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Second thing is uh, what I shared with you last week, the Jesus Life Plan. During this time, that 21 days, we're going to be sharing with you the Jesus Life Plan, and that's simply a template for you to develop the practices that we've been talking about over the last few months. Many people fail in their spiritual growth, not for a lack of desire, but for a lack of a plan. 
And when you wake up on Monday morning, the inspiration that you had on Sunday, if it doesn't translate into a doable plan of action, you will fail. So you don't have to read through the Bible in the year, but you should read some, okay? So we want to help you to develop a doable plan so that you'll experience the life of Jesus. Number three, Alpha. Alpha. I'm so, so excited about Alpha. Alpha for me is not just a nice thing that we do. It's really part of what God has called us to do. And and, and here's why. Not because it's a cool program, but because you cannot live the Jesus life and keep it to yourself. You can't follow Jesus and not care about people who are far from God. And so Alpha is really a great environment for us to bring people that are close to us but far from God into a relaxed, casual, irreligious, non-churchy environment to have some good food, to, to watch a short film, and then for them to just share their perspective on it. And, and here's what happens in Alpha. Walls come down just low enough for people to look over and catch a glimpse of Jesus. And when that happens, it changes their lives. And so I believe that God is going to use Alpha. You remember the story of, uh, of Jesus and Zacchaeus. He saw Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, today I'm going to your house. That was the first Alpha. It's a, a bit of a joke, but it really is. I, I, he went and he sat down. He said they, they ate food together. And we don't know exactly what happened during that time. The Bible doesn't record some, you know, theological treaties of the Old Testament, the New Covenant, all of this. The, the Bible doesn't say that. He, here's what it says. They were together. They ate together. And by the end of the meal, Zacchaeus, who had been stealing money from people, stood up and he said, uh, everything that I've stolen, I'm giving back and more so. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. So all we know is they had food together, he saw Jesus, and his life was changed. That's Alpha in a snapshot, okay? So plan to be a part of Alpha. Be thinking now about who you're going to bring at East End Market, February 11th. We're going to kick it off with a great Alpha launch party, some special things happening then. We'll share with you more about it. Number four, One Labs. i got to move quickly. One Labs. We started last year, One Labs, which is simply a format for us to teach a little more in-depth than what we can on a Sunday. And uh, so we had two One Lab series last year. We had a marriage lab, and we also had a hospitality lab. And I'm really excited about One Labs this year because I believe there's some great, great things that we're going to be able to share with you. And uh, here's just a quick snippet of what those things would be. Uh, One of the labs that we're looking to run is on emotional health. How many of you know that there is an emotional crisis in our world today, right? I mean, people... Uh, struggling with depression, anxiety. Um, Studies show that people today are more lonely. Many people today are more lonely than ever before. And Jesus doesn't just care about your eternal life. He cares about your emotional life. Like he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, which your emotions are part of that. And so we want to help people discover what that means. Another One Lab series that we're planning to run is called Christianity Considered. Uh, we're stealing the name from a friend of ours and, and my theological mentor, Dr. John Frame, uh, has just written a book called Christianity Considered. If you don't know who Dr. Frame is, he's one of the leading theologians today. Uh, John Piper called him, one of, or called him the most significant theologian in the last hundred years. So he's going to be teaching, okay? And he's going to share some. And we're so excited about that. And, and so really what we're talking about is how to think in line with the Bible. 
The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. A lot of people come to Jesus, but their thinking is still stuck in the past. And so this is going to help us to discover what it means to think like Jesus. Another one lab, and I'll be quick with this because we've got a lot of kids out there, but that's our parenting lab. And uh, how many of you know that parenting can be the real test of that Jesus life, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, and so we want to help to teach and to train parents. Um, and then number five, youth ministry. Youth ministry. Can you guys give me five more minutes? Yeah. Who will give me five? See, see your hands. Five, 10, 15, 20, 20. Okay. Youth ministry, number five, youth ministry. Anybody, let me just see this. Who was impacted by youth ministry growing up? Anybody you were impacted? Some of you met your spouse in youth ministry. Okay, we're not doing any of that. Not meeting, not, not spouses, but no, we're so excited. Honestly, this is something that's been on my heart for since we started, and it's something that's personal for me with my own kids. Uh, but we believe that God wants us to not just live the Jesus life on our own, but to impart it to our kids, impart it to our kids. And so youth ministry really is so important. Um, the statistics show that most people make a decision for Christ prior to their 18th birthday, during those youth years. And so youth ministry is so important. It could be argued that Jesus's ministry was youth ministry. Have you ever thought about that? All of his followers were teenagers. He was the first youth pastor, okay? And so we want to, uh, we don't have a lot of youth right now, but there is a wave coming. Did anybody realize, anybody stop by the rooms out there? That's a wave coming. Uh, people that study, you know, church growth and that sort of thing, they say you want your church to have 15% ratio of kids to adults. If you have less than that, your church is, is declining because if you don't have children, you don't have a future. Well, we are over 30% kids. <laughs> Come on. That, so that's a wave. There's a wave coming, all right? So we want to get ready for that. And I know we may start small, but here's my prayer. God, I, I'm asking God to put that on some of your hearts, okay? This, when we say the church, this is us. And so my prayer is that some of you would go, man, I was impacted by youth ministry. I'm going to be a part of that. And we're going to just start small, but I believe it's going to be a great, great thing. And the last thing that I want to share with you is uh, something that just helps us to do all of those things, something that we've talked about before. And we are believing God for a facility, a ministry facility. Amen? And uh, let, let me say this. The church is not the building, but it helps. Okay? It helps. And uh, I love our environment here on Sundays. There's, there's certainly much worse places to be than the Orlando Museum of Art. And so I'm so glad that we are here. But we really want a place that we can have a presence in the church during the week, that we can hold worship nights, prayer meetings, women's meetings, men's meetings, youth meetings, Alpha, One Labs, all of these things without having to set up and tear down every single time. So if you have a building... Come talk to me. Now, in all seriousness, part of what's in our heart, you know that this, if anybody's tried to buy a house lately, you know that we're not in the cheapest part of town here. But it is a strategic part of town culturally. 
And so we believe that's where God has called us. And so one of the opportunities that we see is through perhaps an older congregation that is dwindling that would want to pass the baton to a newer generation. Now, they can give us the baton or, or selling it. I, I believe that's something that God would want to do. And, and we're open to anything. We've talked about that before, but we are right now actively taking steps towards that. And so I, I just want to ask you guys to be in prayer. When Sean said, speak out what you're believing for, I'm saying, building! Okay? And uh, so anyway, I, I really believe that God's going to do great things. I want to ask you if you would just to stand up to your feet. Anybody excited about what God has for us in 2019? Come on, anybody thankful for God's goodness? Let's just give him praise. Come on, let's hold